Brothers and sisters, friends and comrades, this is the PRC Show. I am your host, Paul Cooley, and thank you for listening. Yeah, that's me uh, playing on my electric guitar. This is going to be a heavy metal-themed episode. All right, has that annoyed you enough? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, today on the show, we have Tony G, who is a metallurgist. Yes, a metallurgist. So we're going to talk a little heavy metal, not the music that I'm playing. And uh, yeah, sorry about that. I've been cleaning out the attic and... Ooh, sorry. My amp's a little bit uh, cranky. Haven't played this thing in a while. Yeah, that sounds better, right? Take the distortion off. Um, okay. Anyways, what's been going on? Let's see. A lot has been going on. I have, a, I have a lifestyle change. Lifestyle change, that's right. That sounds better. All right, what's the lifestyle change? So I've been drinking non-alcoholic beer. And uh, listen to all that feedback from the... Uh, hear that radio in the background? Can you hear it? Oh, when you're in the attic and you live on top of a hill, electric guitars pick up all this uh, radio interference, so we're going to have to turn this off. All right, hold on one second. Oops. All right, hold on. I just got to turn this thing off because it's causing too much problems. Oh, I need to go into a bunker. Alright, is everyone still listening? Okay. Oh, good lord. So, anyways, not the most professional episode here. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, early summer, watching Game of Thrones, great season. Usually my routine would be, uh, I've been, I was drinking some nice scotch, usually when that would happen, if I had the next day off. So I'd have no more than four or five drinks. And, uh, you know, I'm a craft beer person, I guess, to some degree. So I was, I think, drinking too much uh, IPAs. I got a lot of calories. Not that I'm somebody that needs to really worry about their weight, but it's a lot of empty calories, pointless, not helpful for your body. So one day I was out cutting the grass, which is a horrible thing to do when it's hot out. Um, and I thought, you know what would be refreshing is a, a nice cold beer. So I get one of the IPAs I have, and it's just too heavy, too syrupy, too much, you know. And then, you know, you drink one or two of those or high alcohol content, and, you know, you're in an argument with your wife. And, you know, that's not helpful. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. But um, so I said, you know what, I'm drinking too much alcohol here. This is, uh, I don't even want to get drunk, really. And so I got a six-pack of Miller Lite, and I will say... That is a not an offensive beer. I've uh, doesn't have much taste, goes down easy, nice for cutting the grass. But there's like four or five percent alcohol in it. So I thought to myself, well, what's the difference? You know, I'm just drinking this just for the filling flavor of uh, a carbonated beverage. 
that's not pop and not carbonated water, but has a little bit of a flavor that's kind of, you know, beer, beer flavor. <laughs> and so I said, uh, let's try some non-alcoholic beer. So I'm going to run down the list and I'm going to give you some advice on which ones to stay away from, from my opinion, and which ones are decent. So I had O'Doul's and then O'Doul's has a O'Doul's Amber. Then there's uh, Bush uh, N.A. There's St. Pauli Girl I've had, Bex. And then there's a beer called Caliber. And then uh, there's other ones, but those are the main ones that you can find in the stores. So right off the bat, Caliber is a uh, product of Guinness, and it's very malty. If you like malty beers, you might like this one, but it doesn't really taste like beer. It tastes like a different type of drink. Not good. I can't. I don't like it at all. So that's the least favorite. Next would be St. Pauli Girl. Um, has a sweeter taste. Uh, definitely tastes like a non-alcoholic beer. Sweeter, almost a skunk taste. Not a big fan. Uh, you know, I don't know if I like that less than... Yeah, I'll say that's the least, second least. Then there's Odol's Amber, which does have more flavor than the regular Odol's, but again, they're aiming to try to be a decent beer, and um, what I'm looking for in a non-alcoholic beer is uh, not that, which I'll explain in a second. Then I would go with uh, Bex. Bex is pretty decent. It's it's a little sweet, um, not as sweet as St. Pauli Girl, and not as offensive, um, but again not as refreshing, too much flavor going on. Then, so my top two are O'Doul's, and I like these both almost equally. O'Doul's, regular, and Bush N.A. And why do I like these? Minimal flavor, (laughs) nothing offensive about them, and refreshing, very smooth. The O'Doul's is like almost carbonated water. You, it has a beer taste to it, but minimal. I mean, I think it only has 50 or 60 calories. They both have around that. And I, they're like a one-two punch for me. So if I want a beer with a little bit more flavor, I'll get the Bush N.A. And that just tastes like bad. Um, it's just like a light beer. Like, yeah, a bad light beer, you know. And um, But it has a little more flavor than O'Doul's, but there's nothing offensive to it. There's no bad aftertaste. It's not heavy. Well, none of them are really heavy, but it's not, uh, uh, it's not too, not too sweet. Um, again, what do I look for in a non-alcoholic beer? Something that's refreshing, something that has a semblance of uh, fullness as carbonation. And, uh, that's what I like. That's why I like these O'Doul's. I, I drank three the other night, yesterday. Yeah, they're pretty good. And I sort of realized that it's not alcohol that I like to, that when I was drinking a lot, uh, it's just the ritual of it, I think. And I don't like carbonated water because the carbonated water we get, it's way too carbonated. It's harsh on the throat, goes down, it, you burp a lot. Um, I could maybe do some of that, but it's just, it's very strong. Um, I like a smooth malted beverage, premium. That's what O'Doul's is. So I'd be awesome if they could sponsor this show. Okay, again, on the show today, we're going to have uh, Tony Jamrisi. We're gonna, he's going to talk about his life in metallurgy. Um, he does stuff with metal. And, you know, I was going to try to play a heavy metal song. I just uh, annoyed you with my heavy metal guitar playing. And I was thinking about all the metal songs I could play to go with this episode, and I thought, we don't need to subject people to any more heavy metal. So I want to tie in at least the musical break to heavy metal. So I like extreme heavy metal, 
And that has led me to listen to more adventurous uh, jazz music and instrumental music, which has led me to our musical break, which is going to be Rachel Grimes. Now, this isn't really going to be offensive, and it's not going to be too extreme, but it's complicated piano stuff, very melodic. Uh, The song is called... Oh, good Lord, what is it? It's called... Hold on. Oh, yeah, this is good. She has an album called... In the the song is called "In the Vapor with the Air Underneath." And what's interesting about the uh, the song? Hold on, I'm sidetracked here. Oh, the well, the album cover is awesome. The, the album's really great. I would recommend getting this album on Spotify, listening to the whole thing. Uh, she's a, I don't know, jazz, classical music instrumentalist. Uh, there's a lot of piano, horns, strings on this, different sounds. Um, just awesome album. I don't know when it came out. The cover is freaking awesome. It's kind of minimalist. There's a little bit of a light there. The album's called The Clearing. The Clearing is the name of the album. The song is called The Vapor with the Air Underneath. Now, at the end of this song... The piano sort of disappears into this like ether of almost like clouds, like it just gets muted. And then there's a really, really deep, deep like bass sound. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It gets a little, if you have like crappy headphones on, really thin ones, you might not even hear it. So it might sound like there's just like silence for like 45 seconds or something. But uh, anyways, enjoy this song. Then we're going to come back and talk to uh, Tony G about metallurgy. And, uh, all right, Rachel Grimes, The Vapor with the Air Underneath.
to Anthony G about metallurgy. He's a metallurgist. And uh, I find this very fascinating. I used to really be into, and I still sort of still am into heavy metal. Um, Did that play any role in you getting into metallurgy? Heavy metal? Um, Sort of. Okay, go. Um, My first uh, job in uh, in metallurgy was uh, I made manhole covers, and they're pretty heavy. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I was thinking more of the music. Uh, What do you mean manhole covers, though? As in manhole covers, the things you drive over in the street. <laughs> uh, I I uh, started in the trade with the uh, the Red Star Iron uh, uh, Commune Hippie Foundry. Uh, commune Hippie Foundry. That's usually Foundry and Hippie Commune doesn't seem to. Well, you don't think it was it was the seventies, the early seventies, and this was Buffalo, and jobs were scarce, so. Um, the hippies banded together, and we found somebody who wanted to buy manhole covers. So we began melting pig iron in a furnace and converting it into manhole where covers. Where did you get the—that's um, fascinating. So where did you get the uh, pig iron, and how did you know to do this, and where was the building? Like, is this in, like—you know, a lot of people my age now are getting into businesses like maybe, like, craft breweries and stuff like that, and— you know, but this is a foundry. How do you uh, do that? Um, it, it's it's a series of old connections with somebody who needed manhole covers. <laughs> he had contracts with the city, and he had bid those contracts at extremely low rates. He was going to lose money, so he had he had a, fa- a foundry furnace in an industrial building on the east side of Buffalo that was essentially vacant. And he, uh, he gathered people together and said, I'll give you cash. Oh, interesting. Make us okay. uh, manhole covers. We have an epidemic of children falling into holes here. We have a shortage of manhole covers. God, someone needs to crank these out, you young hippies, if you can do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so you... Uh, I imagine there was some, this is too long of a story, but some eclectic group of friends that were into uh, making, I mean, did you have any credentials? None. None whatsoever. <laughs> None whatsoever. What was, the, was the first product, uh, did it fall apart, or how did you know if it was good? I mean, I don't yeah, know. You, we struggled with all that, but <laughs> did, we read some books and... Uh, and you burn yourself ever? No, no, never never seriously. Not, not anybody? Does anybody have like a in, bad scar in, from it? No, or? Not, in, not in that operation how many people were do- doing it five sometimes six so it wasn't like working all the time no. it wasn't operating no. so you you were just producing these manhole covers you know what do you have any of these today and can you find one we need to, if any of the listeners I, maybe I don't have any today but I actually know where some were placed do you think they're so, still there or did oh, you not absolutely um, they're on the University of Buffalo campus in Amherst because that was under construction at the time. Is there a logo on it that like has? No, there are no logos. <laughs> no logos. It's just a blank. Yeah, and at, and that and there's a space for a there's space for a name there, but it's a blank. So it has um, <laughs> just a, a, a characteristic uh, blank. Okay, so you were uh, you, but the furnace was this the guy that was commissioning this kind of knew he could. He had a furnace available for you guys to sort of use, basically. Um, an, an odd furnace, not normally used for making these things. 
Okay. Um, so not but, the one that everyone's familiar with because all the listeners are <laughs> familiar with <laughs> furnaces, a, a unique type of furnace. Okay. So you're doing this and then you're like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, or you are like, this is awesome. I want to get into more of the science of it. Or that, was that more that, of a that boyhood? Was, that was it. That was it. I, I needed to rewrite my own history. So it wasn't so, a boyhood so dream. So I, um, I, I took what I had done there and promoted myself to a, uh, a college of engineering in the Midwest and wrote them letters and got accepted. I made manhole covers. Admit me to your college. I, I wrote it up a little stronger right. than that. But and you were uh, what, 22? Um, no, I would have been 26. 26. 26. 26. Okay, got to get uh, it together there. And that age. Uh, they actually accepted me and gave me free money. Because at this point, you already had a bachelor's degree in. I had a bachelor's of arts in history, yeah. so that and a so, buck would get you on the bus. <laughs> so it wasn't. Um, this wasn't something that at a young age you were interested in metal or uh, pig iron or whatever you called it. Right. Th- you no, had no, no. I uh, I came to it as a result of of an experience where I had to learn how to do this, and I decided this was interesting learning, and as a result of that, I ended up with the next. 38 years in the trade as uh, an applications metallurgist or um, um, a mill metallurgist in uh, a stainless mill. What does that mean? An application? That, yeah. means, that means I know what metals are used for what characteristics in what engineered parts. But it, 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 they're, uh, with metal, it's all a recipe, right? And then... Uh... Well, and and uh, and a knowledge of of what you need in characteristics. So, if I need a characteristic of strength, it's one variety of material. If I need a characteristic of strength and light weight, perhaps it's another variety of material. And isn't there a cookbook for this? No. Why not? I mean, it seems like there there is a there's you a write body the- there is a body of literature. There's a knowledge base and there's a scientific base for it, mm-hmm. but not exactly a cookbook. So you weren't interested in like sword forging, or did you ever get into that at Renaissance fairs when people do that and pound? No, on? I ended up arguing with those guys a lot because they <laughs> pretend to know what they don't know. Yeah, they and they like dress up like you know uh, sheriff of Nottingham type thing, or well, I guess he was the bad guy. But um, so uh, you've been you were in this you were in this game in this racket for thirty eight years ish. Um, pretty much the same metal, metal pretty much stays the same, right? I mean, uh, it's a, it's an ancient and honorable art. <laughs> ancient. Uh, yes. Um, it, it, it's not, it's not a rapid. But any hot new metals coming out? Hot new metals. Um, What's the certainly. N- well, actually the hot new metals aren't metals. They're, they're, uh, ceramics and mixtures of metals and ceramics. Ceramics. Ceramics is like uh, stone, hot stone now, or clay. Uh, Clay and clay would be a ceramic. Stone is a stone. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, so wait, so you, wait, like mixing a mixing a clay with a metal. So, so an example would be in in um, aircraft engines today. Um, uh, they had historically been a series of what are called super alloys, um, materials which resist melting at high temperatures. Oh, right. You need that for like the space shuttle and stuff, so well, it doesn't like burn up. you need that for just jet engines. So you need uh, materials which resist deformation 
up to 18, 1900 degrees. That's hot. F. That's really hot. Yeah. Okay. And and today those metals are being replaced by um, aluminum, aluminum, titanium, um, uh, metal matrix composites. So they're mixtures of of metals and non-metals. Uh, this is like why our coffee cups are like uh, better to hold coffee than like a metal cup because it would hurt you burn your hand with the heat. Yeah, well, yeah, there's there's some truth in yeah, what you say. Yeah, well, mostly truth. But um, so the metal game hasn't changed in the last... I mean, there, you're, did you have to... Well, did, in the, the game I was in, in the game I was in, I, I supported the manufacture of locomotives. Um, so that game has not changed dramatically. You're still mostly irons and steels, and you're still mostly... Uh, um, fighting and what are they using? And, and they're and, and you're there to say like this type of iron ore, whatever is impure, or you, this is crappy metal. I can tell because of X, Y, Z. Or what the hell were you doing all day? Because you're not. I would I would put notes on drawings. So an engineering drawing might require a locomotive wheel or a locomotive axle mm-hmm. to specify details of of which metal to use. So there are specifications written. There are public standards. There, there are private standards that that define the needs for wheels. For if axles. not, it won't work. It won't be safe, and stuff right. like that. And and uh, and then when they broke, I would analyze the failures and tell you the failure mode by doing like carbon dating thing and put them in the lab or just well, looking at it or what. It was a combination of skill base of. Uh, fracture analysis. Giving it like an MRI or something like that, or like a scan. No, but but perhaps I would put it in a in a SEM, a scanning electron microscope, and look at the fracture modes. Um, I would polish surfaces and look at microstructures. I and what was the biggest thing that things fractured for? Why why was the biggest fatigue? Just too much work, making well, it work too hard. Well, fatigue is a uh, surface-related phenomenon. What about like air bubbles in the steel? Would that happen or not? Yeah, well, really? that happens. So that happens. And, See, guys, and, I know what I'm talking and, about. There can and, get air bubbles so in there. Defects in the product account for some some percentage of failures. Who makes the best deal? You, I, if you don't want to say, I could see you're getting nervous. You're on the hot no, seat. No, I, I, I'm just not sure. It. It. it many people make good quality steels, and you can find it around the planet. Okay, so. Steel is really a remarkable material in that um, they manufacture on a worldwide basis 1.2 billion tons annually. It's the second highest commodity, the coffee, right? Or oil or something like that. I don't well, know. it would be probably to oil. Oil, Co- yeah. Coffee is... <laughs> yeah. That's what I... Yeah, I guess maybe not coffee. In terms of price, it's, it's yeah. oil. Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, but that's a, that's a big pile that's a big pile of finished product that started the day before. Do you think steel's going away though? It's really, it's really going to be plastics and like uh, other metals, or it's still no. Uh, there's, there's still a baseline for like what about tungsten? Like my ring? Eh, maybe not as good. I don't know. Um, tungsten has special purpose applications. It's expensive to process. It's kind of heavy. You I couldn't guess. build a car out of it. Yeah. Will you always build cars out of steel? The answer is maybe not. 
um, but it's still a price per pound and what people are willing to pay. Do you have a favorite metal? If you had to rate your metals, aluminum, titanium, tungsten, steel. Well, when I buy bicycles, I do. <laughs> aluminum. No, it's tie. I'm a, I'm a titanium. Titanium. Guy. Right. Titanium. Why titanium? Um, it has uh, a high stiffness value. It's got good fatigue properties. And in general, it is, um, um, it's kind of a flashy, uh, sexy kind of material. You know what? I've heard that before. I've heard people say titanium is pretty sexy. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so in the last 30 years or whatever, the biggest change in metallurgy metal would be what? More efficient in making it, I guess, right? Or Well, um, clean steel would be a, a biggie. Um, the ability to make Not having steel, the impure... Oh, making it without all the all poison. The, all, the, all the naughty bits in it. You can make it cleaner. So clean steel is um, is widely available where once... Oh, you're talking about the steel itself, not the like environmental destruction of like Pittsburgh being a smokestacks because of the steel. No, no. it's it's the, the steel the product, itself. The... I'm... I'm I'm past that. It it is it's a useful product. It's used worldwide by the entire planet. Were there ever conference steel did you go to metallurgy conferences and stuff like that? Sure. Were there ever jokes where it'd be like a metallurgist, a forgeman and a uh, I, I can tell you what. I can it, tell you what. Okay, yeah, that's I what I want. You, uh, the, the, the listeners di- want this, please. Yeah, the difference can you, the difference between a metallurgist and a ceramicist. Oh, I love it. Okay. okay. It is... Um, the ceramicist carries a dustpan um, in his back pocket. Oh. Imparting the brittleness of ceramics. The Back to your coffee cup analogy. <laughs> you, when you drop it... Oh, that's it, the joke? That's the joke. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Any other... Any other... <laughs> Any other like metallurgist ceramicist walk into a bar type of thing? No, oh, that's it. That's there's there's not a lot of humor in, the, the, in the trade. <laughs> <laughs> is there uh, is there competition among metallurgists of like, God, he's the best metallurgist of the, west of the well, Mississippi? Certainly, certainly, there's professional uh, um, ranking. He there's discovered professional jealousies. There's professional. Who's the best metallurgist today in the, in the world? In this room, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was quick. Yeah. I, okay. Fair enough. Do you know? Like, is there like a person, like a name, like? Well, I, I, he's the baby. I, I can I can name names of people who I have held. We don't name names on this show. In but high esteem. <laughs> okay. That are like, are they academic types? Or are they more like um, people that work for companies and? The... Actually, they're academic types. Guys who wrote fundamental works 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they're still highly valuable. And do people pay them sometimes to come into like a crisis situation? Like, why the hell did this thing break? Or that's what? You- yes, yes. Well, and 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 you hire you hire them for two reasons. One is for their opinion, and two to keep them silent and away from the opponent in stealing their ideas to to bolster against yours. So if you enter a lawsuit. You want the best guy. It just seems to me like they would know, like uh, the recipes are all out there. It's surprising to me that this is still in in, in need. Oh, oh it, once it goes to a legal case, uh, yeah, um, there's always somebody w- willing to peddle an opinion. Right, right. So let me let me talk about one of my favorite guys is a guy named Cyril San- Stanley Smith, and he. Um, 
he taught at Harvard in from the late 40s um, to probably the late 60s. Do people know him as CSS? Cyril Stanley Smith is all I've ever seen him quoted. So people as. don't say like, but like in the in the game, like CSS says well, this. Uh, uh, <laughs> mostly engineers are illiterate, okay. and and so they don't pay attention to history. But I, having had a history degree, sort is of, that what the CSS tattoo stands for yeah. on your arm? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, Cyril, let me tell you about Cyril Stanley Smith. So he was around at the right time and the right place. And his name is associated with the fundamental documents um, of science that that straightened metallurgy out from um, from blacksmithing. Oh, okay. From blacksmithing, because it wasn't. Oh God, it, it, to be associated with a blacksmith—that's like probably so embarrassing, right? So, but Cyril Stanley Smith has his name associated with several fundamental phase diagrams. And then after he had his career in 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 science and in metallurgy. He turned around and wrote several, several uh, treatises on, on the interaction between science and art. And, and so oh, he, Renaissance man. He argues the following. He argues that, in fact, in, in um, sort of pre-Renaissance time, when, when, when people struggled to make objects... Mm-hmm. Um, they were driven by artisan talents, mm-hmm. and so that the artisans actually invent the technology. So he takes a, a relatively uh, uh, broad view yeah. of the uh, universe, and and he he writes about it fairly extensively. Interesting. Um, yeah, he he sounds like a guy that was, uh, you know, not well well read, but sort of uh, open minded. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Renaissance man Good type guy. of guy. Good guy. Um, so going into uh, the future here, I have an offspring. His name is Paul Anthony. Oh, this is uh, my name's Paul. My son's name is Paul Anthony, and this is Anthony I'm talking to. Anyways, um, would you recommend he goes into metallurgy? They've morphed it these days. It's no longer taught as metallurgy. It's taught as material science. So it's broadened. Oh, so you have to know about the dust brooming ceramics. You got to know about the ceramics. You got to be a plasticurgist, and um, oh, you got to know about all. So you got to know about all those things. What do you think of that? It's the way of of the universe. It's it's fine. Um, Can you really know about all? Yeah, like you have to sort of be right. You can't be an expert on one thing. Then that's right. But then you can't. You can't. you have to uh, so, limit so your reading would I on metallurgy. It? Um, the answer is, yeah, I had an interesting career. Um, presumably, they will still be required at some point in the future. Um, why not? If, if, if it is a material science thing, then you can't read the complete works of CSS then. You'd have to read the other guys, the, the plastics. The and plastic urges. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, leaving, let's leave on that with uh, any final words on metallurgy. Um if ancient you, and honorable art. I probably is, said that. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, is it ancient? I mean, when was steel first made? I mean, I don't know. Um, let's talk about that. So so there's some evidence... God, if you don't know the answer to this one, There's evidence in... Well, I just got to organize my thought. Okay. There's evidence of early steel making in India. Um, and, and it's about... I'm a little uncertain on the date, but it's, it's probably a millennia old. 
um, the the oldest evidence of casting metal. Isn't it like eleven, like a, a thousand BC? Uh, that's, but it's iron, though. They didn't have steel, right? But it was it was it was steel. It is so so. The difference between steel and iron is is steel has a very low carbon content. Iron has a high carbon content. So iron was much more common. Um, on, until what does that mean though? For practice, so steel is hot, hot, steel is lighter than iron, right? Or br- no. iron's brittle or something like that is what people. Uh, um, that's I, what my friends say. St- they say iron. Steel is 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 uh, more malleable, uh, more ductile. What's better to cut somebody's head off with? Well, you want a steel sword that's rather right. than an iron sword. That's what I have. <laughs> um. The earliest evidence of it in Europe uh, is probably um, 800 A.D. to 1,000. No, AD. they have, oh for steel for steel, and, and 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 what about Valerian steel? Have you ever heard of Valerian steel? As in Spanish, uh, <laughs> it's in the show Game of Thrones. Oh, Valerian? Valerian? No, I think no. it's a fictitious type of no. steel, but um, it's the best sword. But maybe is it maybe? No. Well, okay. <laughs> I, it, it's made up. I, I'm, I'm, my TV time is down these days, okay. and that's a good thing. Well, they say Valerian steel is the best sword to have. But all right, well, we should wrap this up. Any final words on uh, metallurgy or the metals? Parting words from a metallurgist. Stay, stay hard. I made a good living <laughs> off of a couple of phase diagrams. <laughs> all right, and, and uh, any recommended books by CSS that you should recommend to the listeners? What's his best one? Well, I like this Renaissance one he wrote. I guess I don't know the tech. I don't know the the uh, title of that off the top of my head. What's his name? Carl Stanley Smith. Cyril Stanley Smith. Cyril Stanley Smith. All right, pick him up. Pick him up at a used bookstore. I'm sure there's plenty. Um, people probably aren't reading him anymore, but there are probably tons of his works in people's homes, and they're selling them. So, all right, Anthony. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Right. The Cyril Stanley Smith book that you could read is The History of Metallography or From Art to Science. And uh, here's a little clip of my son mumbling or something. Mama. 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 Dada. Mama. Mama. All right, all the best till next time. Hope to hear, (laughs) hope to uh, broadcast another one soon.
for listening to the PRC Show. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PRC Show or follow us on Tumblr at prcshow.tumblr.com. All of these episodes can be found at soundcloud.com slash PRC Show. Your host is Paul Robert Cooley Jr. Technological consultant, sound design, host curation, and music production is also by Paul Robert Cooley. Emotional support brought to you by the roommates of Salvador and Kate G. Executive producers Josh Ferris, all labors donated. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.